Thank you for listening to Room 9, my daddy's podcast. Hope you enjoy. You can listen to Room 9 on your favorite podcast listening platform. Don't forget to visit our Instagram and Facebook page. Please like it. Room 9, if you better yourself, you better the world. But the thing is, like, we all are going in our own way, have walked in the same conflicts that mm. you just talked about, right? Like, we haven't all been addicted to heroin necessarily and been dealing with the struggle of pawning something from your girlfriend or significant other. But we all have had ex- extreme, it's, we've had times where we've felt like we've really let people down and we've, mm-hmm. we've, you know, or that we've betrayed somebody. And that, you know, whatever 15 flavors that make up a human, we all have those vanilla, mints or whatever, and chocolate. And for some person like my mother, you know, her chocolate is just expressed a little bit differently, but we've all had that sort of mm. dark thing. And, and that's what's so important, I think, to lift us all out of it is like, yeah, just that basic that we've all gone through the same stuff in our own way. And if we haven't, we're a couple of days away from it. And if we're going to get out of this and help each other, we've got to just sort of recognize that instead of just criticizing, you know, the left hand in spite of the right hand, you know, I don't know. And today's guest is Travis Carlson. And I was super, super pumped when the people over at Pan American Films, which is what Travis is a part of, reached out to me and wanted to do a podcast. During COVID, Travis and everyone else at Pan American Films decided to do a movie called Mother's Day. And it's their first feature film. They've done a lot of short films, but it was really based on Travis's experience with his mom who was struggling and who has struggled with mental health. And it is just just this awesome conversation between a son and his mother and the struggles of understanding mental health, of dealing with mental health, of even recognizing mental health. And it's just such a powerful, powerful, powerful film. And you guys, if you listen to this, you need to watch this movie. Find all the links. They have a bunch of short films at panamericanfilms.com. Link in the description. And I absolutely 100% enjoyed having a conversation with this dude. So enjoy it. And I will be uh, in touch. You know, you know, I'm just doing my thing. Living the dream, as some people say. All right, guys, I love you. As I always say every week in this intro, I am extremely grateful for your time, your ears, and your energy. There are 100,000 million trillion podcasts out there, and you decided to listen to mine. That's pretty awesome. So thank you very much. And um, yeah, things are happening. Like I said, I got a solo episode coming out in the next couple weeks. They're going to explain the changes and what's happening around here. And that is all. So much love. Peace out. Enjoy your week. It is getting warm out in the Northeast. Finally. Peace. Sweet. All right, Travis. Let's just do this. Great. Carlson, right? Is that the yep. right person? Yes. All right. Yeah. yeah. I had to make sure. Yeah. Like I said, I did not, when Mark reached out to me from Spectrum, I did not realize that you guys existed. So I was really pumped when I was checking out your short films and then this new film that we're going to get into. But um, yeah. Well, first, what's going on with your life, man? I want to know who you are, like what you're doing. Obviously, we'll get into the film and why you wrote it and everything, but I mean, what's your deal? So you let me know, because I know you just said you were at Pagula Sports, but not, not anymore. Mm-hmm. And you did all this crazy stuff over COVID. And 
So who is Travis Carlson? Oh, great, great question. Um, <laughs> the the Travis was a, a film student and for basically the last five years worked for the Bills and the Sabres doing uh, some of their behind the scenes features and commercial stuff kind of in the film world. And then uh, when COVID happened, um, I had always been working on projects in the background, like original projects, some short films that a lot of the team from Pagula and others would work on called Pan American Film Division. That's kind of our the name of our little unit. So is that where you kind of met everybody? Was that Pagula Sports? Um, a lot of them, yes. I mean, but it, it started there. We'll say okay. it started there. And then uh, now it's it's a lot of people from the film community. And yeah, so when we, we were kind of developing original content alongside with the day job and then COVID shut everything down. So we were able to sort of go full time on some original projects, um, and one of them being Mother's Day. Yeah. And so now I've sort of transitioned from Pagulas to, to being a filmmaker and storyteller for, uh, in the area in Buffalo. Where was Mother's Day mainly filmed? Um, in my hometown, which is Gary, New York, okay, kind of near Fredonia and Jamestown, if you're familiar okay. with Western yeah. New York. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. I know when I first seen it, well, first off, let me say it was probably four or five days before we got in touch uh, with my girlfriend, Christine, my significant other, mm-hmm. I think she prefers to be called. Um, <laughs> I was like, man, I'm in the mood to watch before sunrise, before sunset. No way. Like I want to see one of those just like two people having a conversation movies, man. So wow. it was like so funny when I started watching this. I was like, holy crap, this is all like one take. It's all like yeah, freaking just a conversation between two people. So so hysteric. I started laughing when um when I was yeah. watching it. I, was I like, love that you say that. The, those those movies were transformational in my mm-hmm. like history of of what people can be like, but what a movie could be. I never thought to me, movies were always like Batman or something where like there's a lot of plot, there's big set pieces, like it's mm-hmm. all about these like four giant explosions or car chases or <laughs> fights or confrontations with the villain. All the Which film- is all very impressive stuff, by the <laughs> way, but yes. Yeah, it's cool, but it's, and that's what film school like drove into my head was like there's structure and there's a formula and there's a way that it works and a way that it doesn't work. And then like Richard Linklater is like, no, it's just tell tell an honest story and that can be thrilling. And that suddenly shifted my whole paradigm of even the work I wanted to make. So you're right, hit the nail on the head. Good. Good. Yeah. yeah I was I was pumped about it, man. That's it's weird that like film school, it's funny how everything you go into has these like this dogma or rigidity, maybe is a better word. Mm-hmm. And you have to do it this way. No, this is it. And then when you break out of that, yeah. I mean, it's just such a it's such a powerful thing to do, which is awesome. You ended up doing it. Was this the beginning of COVID when you started writing this? No, this was, um, I wrote it in uh, November of 2018. No, let's see. You might have to edit this part out. So it's, uh, I was ready to go in 2020. So I'd written it a few months prior to 2020. So it okay. was 2019. So, okay. I just, so I, to start that from the beginning. So in 2019, in the fall, I started writing Mother's Day, which really just is like a private exercise of like what this event was. And I only spent a week writing it. And I just basically from memory is a total transcript of how that conversation went down, kind of as a way to just get in the head of the character, not thinking it was going to be a movie character of my mother, because it's based on a true story. And so just kind of put pen to paper or like keys to digital pixels and made the script in about a week. It came out to being 
almost exactly what we see in the final film. We reduced it just a little bit to to squeeze out a little time, but yeah, it's a it's just a accurate transcription of how it went down and kind of that was our original choice and we stuck to it the whole way through as far as almost every decision started with well how did it really happen and we'll go from there bring that to life yeah that's that's cool man yeah gary new york how much what's the population in gary <laughs> like a thousand is it yeah and they're very spread out my school district uh, is the third biggest geographically in the state and only a hundred people per class, so that's crazy. Very small. Yeah. Is uh, how is is your mom still around? Do you have is your relationship with your mom? How is that? Yeah. So she's in Florida at the moment, and uh, and yeah, I mean we're we stay in touch and uh, and talk on the phone, and especially with COVID, we can't really visit as much. But yeah, the relationship is uh, you know, it's everybody's got their own thing. <laughs> it's unique. I love my mom, and mm-hmm. you know, there's complications sometimes too. Always. Yeah. With parents. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. And that's part of the movie too. Like it's, it's about mental illness, but it's about a relationship that's complex and messy. I don't think you would feel alienated or confused if you were like, I've never had that experience. Mm-hmm. You might just be like, well, I do talk to my mom about that sometimes though. So when you originally, you, I think you already said this, but when you originally started writing it, it wasn't in your idea that it was going to be a movie yet? No, not firmly. It was uh, kind of like a writing exercise in a way. It's a long story and I don't know if it's all that useful, but I'll tell you anyways, which was I was I was kind of peripherally involved in a show that was about the big pharma and um, medical, the the medical industry. Mm -hmm. And that show was just sort of kind of kicking the tires on. Is there a show there with some people in Buffalo? And I was always like, well, I kind of have a very interesting story of someone who's dealing with this and I've never really explored her character or anything. So I thought maybe I would just put that down as like a little like bio thing. And in order to do that, it became really long and in a dialogue. And my, my curse is that I'm like, I overdo everything. I'm like, wait. (laughs) So when I set out to write like a scene, it ended up being like a feature film. And if I write a feature film, it's like a series. (laughs) It's a eight year, eight series, uh, TV yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Yeah. So that's a problem. I feel like that's the curse of uh being in the the film industry. I feel like everybody's like, "All right, we got to do this." Like crazy. Even my buddy and I even taking pictures. Um one of his friends is in a, a local band and they played at the 12. And they're like, "Just come take just a few pictures. I'll give you a ticket." So we ended up going and you know, obviously we have thousands of pictures. I was doing some video stuff. Like just always have to overdo it. Yeah. Always. Right. <laughs> That's great. But hey, it's a free ticket. It's totally worth live music. First time I heard live music and uh, geez, since uh, the whole COVID thing happens. So. Yeah. But anyway, enough about music. We're talking about film. So when you when you started writing it, was it um, did you intend it to be like a therapeutic thing for yourself or was it just strictly kind of for obviously what you were just stating? It, yeah, um, I didn't. I wouldn't have consciously said, oh, my gosh, I have all these complicated feelings I need to like work out. I would have just thought I have a wall up against all that stuff and it's fine and it's just a part of it. It's just what it is. I don't know if that necessarily changed consciously ever. Like I'm going to try to attack this to fix it. But I did find as I wrote it, a lot of transformation happening. Um, So it incidentally did make me a lot more sympathetic and uh, see the context and I mean, I was never writing this to try to create a hero or a villain and tell a like a 
thrilling story. It was just like, how did it go down? Like, I guess I'm trying to say I didn't try to embellish it. Right? You didn't. Yeah. You didn't really change much from the actual. Yeah. It was just, it was always going to be like, I'm going to write it as it is. We'll read it at a table and see if it's, if there's anything there. And if, if not, that's fine too. But it's too kind of precious to, I think, to muck around with. Yeah. As I wrote it, I could totally, you know, so the comp just as in general, it's a story of a mother and a son. So I was one of the people and I certainly would have had my viewpoints. But then as you write it and you hear her responses or as you write through sort of what her agenda is or intentions, you can totally see what she's trying to go for and where she needs help and where I would have made big mistakes or, you know, if I had it to do over and was unemotional at the time or something, I could have maybe um, done more to help in a, in a better way. Uh, to to connect and to not have such a dysfunctional conversation yeah and then that's that's all one little bucket and then another bucket is once I finished our family never really knew what the mental illness was or enough about um, all of it we just sort of recognized the behavior and the symptoms and we're dealing with it like on a surface level but once you have a movie and you're about to say like this is a movie about about what you know is it about like what what labels you're going to put on it and that's going to have a lot of weight so i started doing a lot of research into mental illness so it provoked me onto like a little research odyssey and that like led me to discover a lot more about it uh, how big the community is and for the first time i read about borderline personality disorder Mm. had never heard of it but i was like it's one of those jaw-dropping moments of like wow that's like sounds like i'm reading someone who was reviewing this script or reviewing my mom's life Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not a professional and not a diagnoser of mental illness, but the symptoms were certainly there. And even in this little two hour window that we look at the character, we see all nine symptoms that borderline uh, personality disorder says are sort of the hallmark examples of. Yeah, I'm not necessarily trying to say that's what's happening, but um, it's certainly a place to start looking. And, and I think the movie helps at least initiate a lot of those conversations. At the time, the reason we picked this story is because at the time, me, or the character's name is Jordan, went from someone who was being stubborn and sort of in denial that his mother had a mental problem. Maybe she was just trying to build a disability case or, you know, she wasn't always like that. So there's a point where you need to sort of shift your viewpoint to say, oh, you definitely don't have it to, you probably do have something. And this Mm -hmm. was that moment. And so hopefully that moment can translate to other people too, who might be in Jordan's shoes and say, this is just, this person's just so emotional and they're, but that's just how she is. Or, or I, you know, rejecting all these different signs to saying, well, if we add all this up, there's just, there's no way that Mm -hmm. she's got the same uh, capacity right now. And who knows why that is? I mean, there's so many factors, medicine and, you know, Poor sleep plus the the chemicals in your brain plus who knows? Oh, it's all so I hard. know after going through like addiction and stuff right I realized how powerful a mind is and just whether it's repressing something whether it's project it just it's insane man and even like education it's so strange like when I was married mm-hmm. and my um Noel now ex-wife really struggled with depression kind of looking back I'm assuming it was more even though it was years after my daughter was born, I feel like it was still postpartum. It just never got taken care of. But I didn't know I wasn't educated at all. I mean, you're talking, I was 24, 25, wasn't educated at all, knew nothing. It's like, be happy. What's wrong with you? 
Yeah. Why can't you just be happy? Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's just all about educating and just not even, I don't even want to use the word education. Just, I love, again, storytelling, like what you're doing. Um, I think it's a huge thing. Like, yeah, people struggle with this and you got to figure out how to be compassionate. Got to figure out how to be empathetic. And it's a tough thing to do because especially when it's easy to say when like I can look at your mother and be like, come on, dude, be, you know, be compassionate with her. But when it's your mom and like in this story, she, you know, she's frantically just going down to Florida, which I'm assuming once again, that really happened mm-hmm. and you care about her. You're like, you don't want nothing to happen. So it's so much more difficult to not get frustrated and scream and, and all that. And I'm sure, you know, you've gone through all that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're always in this place where we either, you know, anyone we see, whether it's someone like your wife or ex-wife and, uh, or my mother, where you're either feeling like you are on the attack or the defense or the strategy world. And I think when you're in that world, it's all about how can I solve the problem? For me, it was like, get a job, talk to more people. I'll try to be nice to you. But other than that, like, this is how I would solve this, right? I would just try to lecture myself or something and uh yeah and then there's this other time when you can remove yourself and you're not emotionally involved you can be a third party and so that conversation you just had about Mm -hmm. your ex-wife i'm just sitting here like yeah i can see both sides of that because no one's yelling at me and i don't feel like i need to defend the fact that i haven't picked up my clothes in in five weeks and it's a mess (laughs) you know whatever all that sticky stuff is that gets us caught up in it i you know so and movies are great, right? Because we all go into them as third party people who have whatever baggage, but it's not us. So we can just project our feelings and let them deal with it. And mm-hmm. it's uh, it's very, very helpful. So maybe this will do that for somebody or. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure it already has. I mean, just a few people who have probably seen the unlisted version. I mean, I, I expected when I seen it was two hours, I was like, oh, damn. Like right after you <laughs> sent it to me, I watched it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, literally that night. And I was, um, I was like two hours. All right. I'm not going to do it now, but I started it. And literally I sat there the whole time in my computer chair and watched it, man. And I mean, I, I loved that. It was all one take. I loved. did you, you didn't use a gimbal, did you either? There's only a little bit of gimbal. Okay. Yeah. And that's, and that's in the very beginning. I was going to say like two that's minutes, like yeah. when, uh, you switch from the drone or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that you did a hand. I love that you only used the one camera angle, the one camera. Uh, that was awesome. And just the way the story flowed nicely. Because I'm a, once a movie gets over an hour and a half, man, it better be good. That's what I always say. I, yeah. I mean, we're definitely <laughs> sweating bullets. And yeah, not sure. But that's awesome to hear. I, I, I would love to hear everything you think. Curious how you, what did you use for the transition from the drone to the walking shot? Yeah. So to for those who haven't seen it yet, there's like, we, we start out with sort of a very sweeping, like soaring drone shot that flies around the community. And it's kind of, we're just world building, right? To show you what Gary's like and how sparse it is. And then it sort of kind of comes back down to earth. And what's actually happening is the cameraman, the director of photography, Aaron, is uh, catches the drone mm-hmm. in flight and then uh, walks around with it. Which we were very careful when we did do the few transitions we were going to do, not to do them in the obvious place. Like right when we're about to fly is not the time to do a hidden cut to a drone. Um, and right when it lands is not the time. To, so we would kind of, you know, catch it and, and try to hide that or spread it out. So so somewhere um, when you're looking at the uh, old lady in the nursing home in the in the picture, we we just transitioned there in a very, to me, a very forgivable moment where... Even if the mm-hmm. audience catches the transition, you're like, oh, yeah, but obviously that could be one shot if it was the same camera, but whatever, you know, 
Close enough. I mean, it was it was uh it was impressive. What lens did you use for a uh, camera and lens? I got to get the the nerdy oh, stuff in. Yeah, right. This is just for my notes. <laughs> <laughs> but so the majority of the film, which is like the backyard conversation, mm-hmm. that's shot on an Alexa Mini, Ari Alexa Mini, and uh, a thirty-five millimeter lens. Um, we did tons of camera tests to to dial all this stuff in and figure to out what works. Yeah. When you only get one, you've got a lot of decisions to mm-hmm. make. You've got to you got to make sure it's the right one. So yeah, thirty-five millimeter prime, and we're shooting from golden hour where the sun is out to after dark, after the sun is set. So there's a transition of I don't know exactly how many stops, but like for in film world, you lose a lot of light. So, mm-hmm. and it's one shot. So we had to be very careful about how we were going to be artificially adding light in the camera. We obviously used the iris, but we hit a lot of um, ISO jumps and there's even a hidden ND filter change. Oh yeah. I didn't notice that one as well. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to have to rewatch it too. Cause I want to watch it with uh Christine as well. Cause I know she would enjoy it. Yeah, well, she's your significant other. She is my significant other. <laughs> That's great. And all right, so what if people people are trying to find out more about this film, want to be able to watch it? Sure. When are they going to be able to do that? That's a great question. We're trying to figure it out a little on our end um, as of today, which is like April something. So the plan uh, to to distribute is we're, we've sent it to a lot of festivals to see if we uh, if we get. The, the benefit to show it anywhere that, that adds to the value of the film. But we'll we'll do, uh, so we're kind of waiting to hear back from that. We're also kind of watching how COVID and the public are, their relationship to being able to watch movies in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Kind of like whichever one happens first For, kind and of best, we'll kind of pull the trigger on one or the other. Once the wind starts blowing one way or the other. My hunch right now is that when cinemas are able to be open, we'll be sort of creating our own pipeline to distribute to the to the area and then probably on the internet as well. The The best way to sort of stay in touch is our website, panamericanfilms.com. Uh, um, you can sign up for a newsletter there or just mm-hmm. kind of keep track of it. We also have Facebook and, and YouTube. Pan American Film Division is the name of the team and Mother's Day is the name of the film. And you have a bunch of other short films on there. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Which are good. I'm trying to, I watched one of them, the Possum one. Oh, Possum. I watched. Oh, Possum, I watched. Which is good. How did you find um, your actors here? So yeah. Jordan is the main character, the son, the mom's Wendy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, those are the characters' names. Sure. Um, who are the actors? Yeah. So and actresses. Yeah. Jordan is played by Michael Charles Wagner, who is a, a gentleman I met at Buffalo State when I went to school there, and he was a theater major. He was actually in California at the time uh, and happened to be kind of moving back to Buffalo. It was like a serendipitous uh, thing. We auditioned several people. And I mean, we even spent some time approaching name talent in, mm-hmm. you know, Hollywood, quote unquote. And we were in talks with a few people. Actually, one of the child stars from a Nickelodeon show was in touch and interested. This weird, it was right as COVID was starting and everyone was kind of being, staying on hold for whatever projects. And uh, we ended up thinking that it was best to pursue who we thought was a, was the best choice, was Mike. Um, he did a great job. And then to the actress is Lisa Ludwig, who plays Wendy. Super complicated role. Very highly exhaustive. It's very hard for both actors. Mm-hmm. It's an emotional roller coaster, the whole film. It's like, it is. all right, they're finally getting it to get up. Nope, there it goes again. Yeah. And nope, they're, oh, there it goes. <laughs> and it's going deep into these things. I mean, at the time, it was like throat was raw. You know, one of those just epic um, arguments that we, we all kind of go into sometimes. 
And yeah, and these guys have to keep it up in one take, like it's a play or a live show, and uh, and there's no there's no flubbing, and we'll cut it and pick it up. It was just we just went forward. We ended up filming it four different times, like four quote unquote performances, but each time we went all the way through each time. Each so. time, because I yeah I did see I think it was this morning because I was watching some more YouTube videos and it showed like you played it in the first time in one take. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I think you got your actors and stuff and you did it a few times. That's got what pressure yeah. oh, to be to memorize those lines. Yeah. And to have to go with it and be able to improvise because there's no way you're doing that perfectly. And oh, yeah. gosh, well, I think about podcast hosting and like even now when I was like, why am I asking him where people can get in touch with? Like we're only 20 minutes into this conversation. <laughs> I was like, is that's he supposed to be short? at the end. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why am I asking? And then it's like, no, don't go. Don't have this conversation in your head. Like to do that for, yes. I mean, a two hour movie. Yeah. Um, that's, that's but, impressive. Hey, so like, that's what life is though. And why it's mm-hmm. so interesting to like trap these two people in this conversation. I think part of why maybe we get engrossed is you, there is no cut. You can't, you have to talk your way out of it. And if you're going to mess yourself up, you know, like a real conversation, mm-hmm. you ha- you can't just cut away to a montage and then it's three days later and you'll recap it with <laughs> your friend at a, at a cafe or whatever. It's just, how are you going to, you know, make your mom be safe and mm-hmm. and how is she going to make you understand her point of view you have to talk your way out of it and and you feel stuck and trapped with them and it yeah. just keeps getting worse and worse and worse yeah you do you do it is it's totally one of those like all right i think this is good and then it's just right back at it again right back at it which and it and Obviously, as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, because you've shared it with me, that this was basically a situation that happened with your mother. And how old were you when that actually actually took place? Um, so it was 2015. So I would have been 24 to 24. 24? About to be 25, yeah. And that was in your parents? That was all, 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 all a thing? Yeah. So we shot this in, I mean, so the houses that we used were the actual locations of the actual event. So oh, that's it's, awesome. Uh, I mean, it's it gets a little weird. Like Jordan, Mike <laughs> is wearing my actual clothes. Like, is he really? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, for the most part, we got <laughs> we got a custom T-shirt from Buffalo Made Co. And you know, did did a few like accents and stuff. I mean, when you look around, you're like, well, how? What's he gonna wear? Well, I mean, my work clothes are what I was wearing. And geez, it's it's it does get kind of weird though. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we we filmed in the actual spot. Did it ever get too emotional for you, like filming it? Did you ever have to take a break? Um, or were you able to compartmentalize? There we go. I can yeah. speak. Yeah, you know, why you're doing it. For the most part, I was kind of in like execution mode of, of get this project done. There's a lot riding on it and you kind of get into a different compartment. But there were the few times that it bubbled up. You might have saw we have a clip on our website where we we kind of talk about how right before we started these these performances, we would play actual audio recordings from my mother, you know, where she's in sort of a similar state and just to like ground everybody back into the roots. Cause you know, a film set I've heard described really well is like, it's like a construction site. And when you're on a construction site, you're just thinking about all the numbers and gadgets and who's he, what's he's and why is there water leaking over here? And you're not at all in that in the frame that you're about to see. So uh, we would play that and that would be kind of emotional and for everybody just kind of ground us back into the world of like, oh yeah, we're trying to portray someone who's in pain and both people who love each other incredibly and they both think that their way out of it, uh, the way to a better, happier life, 
those two things are conflicting. And so they got to, they got to work that out. And then when I was editing the first time I put music into this, um, mm. that's like, that's, that's it. That'll oh, do it right there. Yeah, <laughs> right. You're just sitting there and you're like, I wonder if this track would work and you're just playing it. I haven't mixed it yet. Like, so it's just playing really loud. And she talks about one of her darkest things. It was a big secret I didn't know about. And the music just comes in hard and I'm like, Oh my God, I just started weeping like crazy. And yeah, so the, it's like, it's there. The compartments are there to open up. Yeah. It's amazing uh, what music does. Yes. Oh, Lord. Lord. I mean, that was, I tell people all the time, that's where I get, I pretty much well got my creativity when I was 15, when my siblings died. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, kind of that instant, it was just music. Never really was into music, but it was just music that I was connected to, to yeah. express everything for a decade before I finally was able to kind of sit with it and do that weeping. It's just, it's amazing when you add music you know i got my go-to songs when i know i need to cry yeah like all right i gotta play this i gotta sit down and cry i'm getting angry about nothing and so you know you got that but yeah when you add music to the to a film or any story it's like oh it can do so much you're so right i i'm in one of the more traumatic things i've gone through the same exact thing happened where really? i kind of retreated into a, a few songs that just spoke to you in such a strong way and you just listen to them and you feel so connected it's it's interesting, you know. You make me wonder why why we do that, but it's crazy. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's. it's I, I feel like it's all archetypal, man. I think it's been around for you know thousands of right. years, right? Yeah. It's. I mean, I was just reading the one book I'm reading and talked about, and here goes me as a great host is always going out in the middle of nowhere. But yeah. they were talking about the Mesopotamian uh, mythology, yeah, and how it's like the oldest written story ever that yeah. we know of and probably was being spoken many, many years before that. And it's just so trippy. The same thing that is in almost every like film and that same hero. And uh, like we were talking, like you wanted to break out right, of that, right? right. And just From Mesopotamia, they're yeah. like, you can't just have two people talking. You have to have structure. <laughs> <laughs> they have to have a moment where they die and come back to life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's insane. But um, yeah, it's crazy, man. Well, what stories can do and... I mean, I'm assuming this is going to, I don't know, obviously a ton of people haven't seen the film yet, but mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's going to be um, a pretty big hit. Oh man. Especially I think now more than ever. I, we hope so. I mean, it's uh, hopefully the, the, the movie will do its job of, if the movie can help make somebody more sympathetic um, to, to the situation or just to, to recognize, you know, that it's important to think about it or, or that these, this story has just as much value as you know, Barb and Star, the the kind of irreverent comedy mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, I think that's important as important as uh, as even just like you know, did you get the theme? Do you get the idea? <laughs> just like yeah, stories can be this too, and and they can be honest. What is what is something you really like? What was your main purpose? I guess your main mission, your main goal in doing this? Uh, to make a lot of money. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> totally right. not. Uh, no, <laughs> definitely not. I uh, invested a lot of money in. The the main goal was, I mean, two things. We, the idea of having our team do a project was about let's get our feet wet in feature films because we've made a lot of short films and they they take a lot of work and they're great. And then there's you know not really a market for them. Mm-hmm. So the idea of doing a project was we need to practice and try to like take that graduate into making a feature film. Why did we do this film? Well, that was to 
yeah, maybe help other people grow empathy towards mental illness and uh, and just difficult conversations that, that people can have and, and the value of working it out. That's part of it too. Because mm. without giving anything away, like it it goes to some really dark places and, you know, and it resolves in a very human way, the way that we, you know, I, maybe it's not all worked out, but there's there's a level of truth to the way it, it results. There's that that mutual, you know, what uh, we we're here for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, whatever it is, and I think that's important to show. Yeah, to to be able to wrap up any argument, whether mental illness was involved or not, any argument that can end with people cooling off and uh, recognizing that they've got some work to do, maybe each of them, I think is going to be a step in the right direction. I, I don't want to say that I made the project thinking about the representation of mental illness in film, but after it's over and you start looking into it, you realize, you know, we found some of the stats are in, incredibly disproportionate. I think as of 2019, 20% of Americans uh, were dealing with a mental illness actively. I almost don't want to know how much it went up in 2020. Yeah, probably a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And of movie characters, only less than 2% of them struggle with a mental illness. So 20% versus a 2% rep- representation of that 2%, half of them are like serial killers who perpetrate violence. So if you're just watching TV, trying to in movies and you know, your pop culture intake for mental illness, as opposed to like cancer would be extremely upside down. Hmm. It's just one of those topics that you know, you, your perception would still be if you don't have one-on-one contact or haven't done the homework yourself, implicitly would be, uh, you know, American Psycho, Psycho, The Shining. What else? Uh, every Anybody who's ever done a shooting, school yeah. shooting before. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. yeah. Every horror movie, like your Freddy Kruegers and your Jasons are all theoretically just, it's just a throwaway. Yeah, they have a mental illness, so they want to kill in- innocent people. <laughs> And it's uh, I don't it's yeah. terrible. I'm laughing at it, but yeah. it's it's funny to to think that people like actually believe that. And I go back to kind of what I touched on. I was very ignorant at one point too. Same. Yeah, I know. And I had someone in my life like that, but I wasn't able to say, you know, what you might have a very normal condition that is treatable. I was just like, I don't get this, and I want you to be better and to stop making destructive decisions or impulsive decisions or. You know, I just want you to have a happy life and hit your goals. And I think so there is a lot of value in in something like Mother's Day that says, yeah, I mean, all those things can be true and this is what it looks like. And it's really interesting. One of the neighbors who lived um, within earshot of the of the argument while we were filming came up to me after and, and talked for almost an hour about how that's his brother. And he's like, this that's is awesome. every conversation yeah. I've ever had. And this guy was someone who lives in Gary and does not go to the art house cinema to see what Richard Linklater's up to. And yet he connected like very powerfully and wanted to have a really long conversation about unpacking his own stuff and wouldn't have called it that. And I think that's great. And I don't know how we can reach people like that, but I think that's what's important is for him to have like a little emotional moment where he can talk as a third party person about his relationship mm. with his brother and have it a very natural excuse to kind of work things out or talk talk to his wife about it or whatever it is you know i don't know all good intentions we'll see yeah no i mean and i think it's simple as like somebody watching it and being like like kind of what you touched on in the beginning it was kind of oh my mom kind of does that or 
my uncle or my brother or my sister or whatever. And just and that's what can spark awareness. That's what can help end stigma. That's what can you know bring education to people to be like, all right, well, there's more to it than just be happy or stop making dumb decisions or choices or. You know, I can't imagine just even dealing with addiction. I haven't really, I mean, other than like situational depression, I've never had to really deal with anything uh, mental health wise. I've dealt with a lot mentally, but nothing like, you know, as far as borderline personality disorder and all that stuff, but still just kind of uh, going through an addiction. And I remember a moment when I was going back down to my girlfriend's house, significant other, to, uh, (laughs) to take some stuff to pawn it when I was getting sick. And I remember crying on this walk. And this is the response I give anytime anybody asks me, do you think addiction is a disease or a choice or whatever? I was like, this is all I know. The deepest part of it, I was crying and arguing with myself, as strange as that sounds, yeah, about not to do it, but I have to do it. But you can't do it, but I have to do it. Like the whole cry, crying and walking and doing this argument and just doing that alone from you know just struggling with heroin is intense and i can't imagine dealing with that on a daily basis and then trying to go to a doctor's and trying to find the right med med balance so that i can function and not be miserable and make the other people around me miserable and then now i feel like i'm a burden and everybody needs to help me and now everybody needs to help me so i'm useless and worthless and the list goes on right of things you got to do right and oh i'm so glad you're talking <laughs> about this stuff man because it's it's so important and and you know the What's the preconceived, uh, you know, gruff thing to say about someone with an addiction is just like, you know, what are they doing? You know, just so judgmental and yeah. and just puts them down. And I think maybe what we're talking about is that, yeah, we have to be more empathetic and, and try to attack problems from the inside out. And I think we're definitely moving mm-hmm. in that direction, maybe um, not as a group, as a mass, <laughs> but I don't know. Um we have to go that direction because if someone yep. like, you know, you, you're, you're a great example of, of the transition that we want, you know, and it's good for everybody, not just the person who's dealing yeah. with it. Like you're contributing in every other way too. And, you know, even just that you're around and that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had April. Yeah. So it was a few days ago. It was my three year mark, I believe of getting That's when I was arrested three years ago. Okay. And, um, where the hell was I going with this? Son of a bitch. That your brain fart. The idea was that you're here and contributing and... Oh, yeah. And so I found out, like, I'm still fucking on probation somehow. Like, still, after no issues, nothing, no trouble, no... not. And still, I just, I don't understand it. But the system, needless to say, is there to make money, not to help anybody. But anyway, I was like, they were like, oh, we forgot to tell you over the last three years, you have to do 40 hours of community service before I get you off because I just gave them $1,500 to try to be done with everything. Wow. And I'm like, my whole fucking last three years of my life have been fucking community service, right? Right. And, you know, not like, a, hey, good for you, buddy, patting myself on the back, but right. um, kind of, you know, touch on like just connecting with people. And, but that was from support and love and not punishment, right? And I think when we can become more empathetic and bring more awareness around these situations, mm-hmm. it becomes like, oh, people feel more welcomed. People feel like, okay, I can. When you feel this pressure to be something you're not or to, you know, when you can look at yourself and be like, I don't know why I'm doing something and you don't know why you're struggling. It's just, it's all a fucking mess. <laughs> of course. But the thing is like, we all are going in our own way, have walked in the same conflicts that mm. you just talked about, right? Like we haven't all been addicted to heroin necessarily and been dealing with the struggle of pawning something from your girlfriend or significant other. But we all have had ex- 
extreme it's, we've had times where we've felt like we've really let people down and we've mm-hmm. we've you know or that we've betrayed somebody and that you know whatever 15 flavors that make up a human we all have those vanilla mints or whatever and chocolate and for some person like my mother you know her chocolate is just expressed a little bit differently but we've all had that sort of mm. dark thing and and that's what's so important i think to lift us all out of it is like yeah just that basic that we've all gone through the same stuff in our own way and if we haven't we're a couple days away from it and if we're going to get out of this and help each other we've got to just sort of recognize that instead of just criticizing you know the left hand in spite of the right hand you know i don't know yeah it just reminds me a lot of one of my favorite philosophical debates between free will and determinism bring it on pretty much and i just but just the whole fact of how we punish people because i don't really necessarily believe we have free will, which I'm not going down this route sure. right now. Right. But um, sure. you know, the whole fact of if we don't, I guess the greatest example I can think of is there was this guy in the 70s who ended up, he killed his wife and his mother-in-law and then went somewhere. It was in Texas and just started, he killed 14 people. Okay. He was a sniper, but he wrote a suicide note. You know, something's wrong. I don't know why I'm doing this. You should do an autopsy. And but at first you hear about this guy who shot a bunch of people and you're like, oh, that's he's the bad guy. piece of shit. Right. Yep, totally. And then you then you when they did an autopsy, he had a, a tumor on his amygdala and mm-hmm. that was pressing up against his amygdala. And that's what made him go fucking nuts. But all of a sudden now he's a victim. Right. And we do this with people all the time with because they're wired a little differently. And then what we call in quotes normal or that as long as you don't have anything you do that fits in the DSM, yep. you're normal in quotes. But these people who are wired differently, we just, we don't have any compassion. We don't do anything to help them. And that can be the same for like even the influence of the environment on a person. Like when I was in jail, it's like these people, you lock people up and then you you watch a clock, you let them out and that's it. Mm-hmm. And make them pay you money, first of all, too. You got to pay money and you don't put help them out at all. And it's just, whether it's mental health, whether it's criminal justice the whole shit sh- it's a whole shit show is what it is of course and so thank you for doing your film and putting it out there and i really hope a lot of people are going to uh just like i said just watching it is going to bring awareness to one person like at least right hopefully everybody's yeah. going to think about reflect on their life and their relationships and like oh maybe so-and-so struggles with this or maybe i struggle with that right sure some people don't even know they're struggling with something they think it's normal sure i it's just it's good to to have those thoughts and to you know, there's, I heard some expression at some point that there's people like at the cutting edge who are pushing, making decisions and, and, and finding new research and stuff. And then like big trickle down happens where someone writes a book and then the next person reads it. Eventually you get to the point where pop culture kind of like gets an idea mm. out there. I think it was actually Stephen Hawking talked about like, there's a lot of layers deep of like what we think of as the world. 15 years later, the general public will sort of have that given to them on PBS or in Interstellar where we all kind of get there and we do. So yeah, I'm, I'm not, I, I feel like I'm just at one of those final messengers who's, who's kind of like, maybe I can take something that was somewhat limited and hard for other people to see and make it a little broader, but it's up to all of us to continue mm-hmm. to make that message of empathy even wider. Right. And make it more normal. That's a fact. That is a fact. All right, man. What was, um, I guess before we get out, what was kind of the, what was the toughest part? What was the biggest challenge for you from doing this, from writing it to, uh, did you have a sister? Did I see that? Do you have a sister? I do not. No. I, there was, was a, 
There was a blonde lady in one of your videos that I guess it was a short video. So it sounded like she was talking about it relating to her own life as well. Yeah. there. So that might have just been someone on the team. Um, My assumption. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why the way she was talk, talking, but I must have misunderstood that. But do you have siblings or? You, um, no, I was an only child. We had okay. a we had a I just a stillborn sibling. But yeah. OK. Yeah. Grew up by myself. So. Grew up by yourself, the only child. Yeah. So go ahead, judge me. You don't know. You don't seem like an only child. I was gonna say there's there's uh there's not too many only childs uh that you can't pick out of a crowd though. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> unless unless they've had something tragic happen to them when they were younger. So that that's usually a big example of um, creativity. Is that's not really a prerequisite, but I cannot talk today. I don't know what's wrong well, with me. It's a podcast. You know? It's gonna happen. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> People already know how to get a hold of you. Panamericanfilms.com. I'm going to have all those links below. What else, anything else you want people to know about the film, about what you're doing? I know you're not totally sure on like release, how you're going to release it yet, but you know, what do you need to get out that I didn't talk to you about? If anything, it's kind of late in the game, but I feel like I I didn't actually mention that Lisa Ludwig was the actress who played my mother. We, we kind of, we hit it and and we kind of brushed by and we kind of like good at doing stuff like that, but that's okay. So Lisa is a fantastic actress and she did a great job. She she has a theater background and does a ton of uh, work. So she brought that and did an excellent job portraying. She did amazing. Both both actors did fucking great. Yeah. I, I'm very proud of them. And um, yeah, and the whole team. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we don't, if you're interested, we could talk more of like production of the one shot and stuff, but we certainly don't. I don't know if that's what this audience. I was, I was impressed with the one take. That's, I really love that. I love the um, some of your shots you did. I mean, just the the swinging back and forth and keeping the conversation entertaining, right? It's not just like, all right, we're gonna set this static shot up and yeah, get uh, just get two people talking the whole time. You were able to keep it that movement kept it very interesting. I loved the little handheld kind of. It was just enough kind of a little bit of shake yeah. with it that gave it that when things got tense and obviously the music all played. I mean, the whole production, I loved it. Did you do a lot of color grading with it? Um, kind of like a basic pass, but not a yeah. ton. Yeah, because I figured, well, the lens you can usually uh you can usually tell those uh those cameras uh the freaking I was gonna the say Ari, the, yeah. yeah I was gonna say what the hell's the other the red I always want to say the red but yeah well red is the cinema camera clearly. that's right but <laughs> somehow I got that rep but yeah I don't even know how I have no idea but oh man some of this film stuff I see on there's somebody I follow on LinkedIn. That, that new thing is to like show the actual movie or series part and then below show the behind the scenes. Right. Like sure. split screen side it. by side. Yeah. Oh, some of the stuff, what we were talking about, some of the, wow, the crazy shit is, is impressive. It is cool. But I'm, I'm always a sucker for simple, even in like the design world. I like the minimalist, simplistic, mm-hmm. very uh, open style. And even in film, I always love those independent films that are you know, done just like yours. I think it's great. Kudos to you, man, for like doing it, having the courage to write about, having the courage to not only write about it, but to say, hey, this was my story too, part of my story. And that takes a lot of courage, man. So thanks for being vulnerable. Thank you for being vulnerable. And and, yeah, willing to chat, dude. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. Cool. Awesome, man. All right.